Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Today, we have our very special guest, John De La Cruz. He will be sharing his story from military to information security analyst. But before we get there, those of you following us on LinkedIn, please follow myself, follow John. That way, if you have questions after the fact, you can uh, reach out to us and ask us. For those of you following us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button down at the bottom, hit that notification button. That way, the next time we come on live, you will hear us. And then for those of you on podcast after the fact, feel free to share us with all your friends and family because we do need individuals from all sorts of different backgrounds in cybersecurity to help us have a diverse population that are all trying to solve this complex problem of cyber today. So with that, let's get to John's story. John, I think I met you almost a year ago now, and you were in the military approaching the end of your term. Um, what's that transition like? Uh, it, to, to say it best, it was one of the most challenging, life-altering events in my life. Um, is really the best way I can put it for me personally. Um, but then my journey was a bit different than the, than many. And I think, uh, every transition is a bit different in my case, personally. Um, you know, I was leaving service. Uh, we were having our first kid, um, and doing a career pivot and learning something completely foreign to me. Uh, going as I was exiting service. So for me, that was um, quite the challenge, but here I am today. So it's been quite rewarding. And as you like prepared to do that transition, like what, what do you do? Like, how do you approach it? You have what a year notice uh, or is it less or how much notice do you get? Well, every, for the most part, a lot of the service members, they will know when, uh, they'll, when their service ends, you know, unless something, um, on something just, just out of nowhere, just goes out, uh, where, you know, they're, they have to leave suddenly such as a, a medical reason for them to exit. Uh, but for the most part, um, you know, for me, for example, I knew when I was going to get out. And it was just a matter of um, deliberate planning. Uh, I had to go in there and know what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, and making the time to go do it. Um, that was a tough part uh, because uh, the military doesn't really give you a whole lot of time to uh, do what you need. You just have to make that time to to take care of you. And how did you figure out what you wanted to do? I know that's oh a gosh. challenge for many many individuals transitioning out of the military um you know i i still think about it. i look back on it uh on that journey um i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> i had zero clue on what i was doing I, I think for me it was just kind of going through the motions and uh talking to people like you chris i mean i i think you among so many other people in the industry have been so invaluable to me the the information you provided you know, I took um, bits and pieces and I piecemealed a lot of the information that I uh, gathered from a lot of uh, industry professionals just to 
get an idea what it was that I maybe wanted to do. Um, and, and really I owe where I, where I am now, kind of the vector that I got from really James Azar. Um, he really set me on a path. Uh, it's like, Hey, you just, we, we just had a conversation one day. He's like, Hey, you ever think about GRC? Uh, I had no idea what that was. Uh, so I did some homework, looked into it and again, the whole time, the whole way through had no idea what I was doing. That was just kind of going through the motions and just talking to people and having conversation. And so you kind of got an idea now of your path, like what options did you have available to you? Um, I know individuals transitioning out of the military, there, there's several different resources available like SkillBridge training and things like that. Um, what did your path consist of? What did you utilize? Oh my gosh. Um, for me, it was, um, gosh, looking back at it, it was a lot of attending as many uh, live streams or, or uh, recordings of listening to people talk. And for me, I knew that DOD Skillbridge was an option for me. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to do with it um, because the only thing that I had under my belt um, in terms of experience was a degree in cybersecurity. Uh, I had a bachelor's in it or have a bachelor's in it. Um, I have zero certs still to this day. Um, and, and so I was, I was really nervous. I was really just, I, I, I didn't think that I was going to be, um, uh, be able to go anywhere really. Um, so when I stumbled upon DOD Skillbridge, I knew I wanted it. I didn't know how to do it. Um, I ended up uh, talking to some folks who led me eventually to the hiring manager that I work for today. Um, and it just em ended up being a conversation which turned into, okay, let's get you to HR um, and, and begin that process. Um, for me, the Air Force bit, because this is, I retired out of the Air Force uh, last year, um, it, it kind of um, was pretty easy in terms of, you know, I had one that was already approved through the DOD Skillbridge program. Um, and it was just a lot of do this, you know, take care of the paperwork. And it was a lot of waiting. And I wasn't very patient. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, I really want to get into it. I really want to experience what um, the industry is all about because I had no idea. I, I didn't know what to expect. And everybody's experiences vary so widely. Um, it made me nervous and almost a little bit scared. Um, but yeah, eventually I landed the DOD skill bridge. I got approved. I interviewed in January, uh, but I didn't start the skill bridge until August uh, because of my commitment in the Air Force and the times didn't work out. But luckily, the hiring manager and my employer um, was able to work with me. And I am so grateful for the opportunity because it's, you know, obviously landed me here. Did your employer already have um, a structured program for skills bridge? 
or was this something that you had to work with them through to kind of get it set up and to, to have the HR processes work with that? So they already have or had a program in place. Um, the, but the track that they had was geared more toward uh, a different line of work, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. I was the first DOD SkillBridge candidate or fellow um, in the information security group. So I was, they, they, they were kind of winging it, uh, but they did a fantastic job, um, you know, kind of um, using me as, well, let's see how this goes. And I'm, you know, obviously I was willing to work with them. Um, and we kind of gave the pointers and now we've got our second uh, DOD SkillBridge candidate on board now. Um, so that's fantastic. So it's, it's, it's starting to grow. It's, it's getting more robust. So, um, for that, it's, it's amazing. So we're still definitely working on it. Look at you giving back already. <laughs> so as you, as you did this skills, Skillbridge program, uh, well, let, let's take a step back. Did you, excuse me, did you interview with other companies? Did you, um, continue your search outside or once you had this this great interview with this company that was interested in you and they had to work out the paperwork from January to August um, did you continue searching in the meantime or were you like this is set in stone and I don't need to worry um, that was the hard part because you know I, I, I definitely I felt a commitment and I think that's what kind of the military does to you. You know, you've, you've served for X amount of years and the, that commitment is there. It doesn't really leave you, at least for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt that need to, to, you know, to remain committed to uh, the company at the time, you know, granted I was still kind of in between, but a part of me, you know, the more cautious side, um, uh, still sought out folks. I still networked um, where I needed to just in case something fell through because at the end of the day, it's, it's about me. And, you know, I like to keep my contingencies there just in case something were to happen. Um, but luckily that I didn't need to call on my contingencies at all. We still have you. The <laughs> uh, one time. Um, th th that's good that you have contingency plans in place. Um, so as you went through the skills bridge process, what were some of the, the requirements of it? Like, how did it work? Um, what was the process like? Um, again, it's this is I can only speak for the Air Force. Um, uh, the other services are, are just a bit different. Uh, I think the Air Force is a lot more rigid, I think, um, because they usually have a set of rules and this is what you have to follow. Um, and, and again, luckily for me, everything was, the company was already pre-approved. Um, they've been already doing the work. Um, granted, it was a different tract for uh, a fellowship for SkillBridge, but um, everything was already there. Everything was in place. So um, it was just a matter of me taking the time to go do the paperwork, connect with folks, have those conversations and schedule those interviews and things like that. 
Um, but as far as any legwork in for the skill bridge itself, just an application. Was was there a continuous education? Like, what was the ramp up period like? Um, and then, how, what were some of the ways that they they used you? Because Skullbridge is kind of like a internship program, right? If you look at it as a, a, a analogy. So um, how were you utilized um, to bring value? Oh my gosh. Um, I hit the ground running. Um, you know, I, I didn't go in there and I've heard horror stories like of people just being, you know, sat there to file papers and that's what they mm -hmm. were used for, unfortunately. Uh, in my case, um, I actually got given access to the different uh, solutions and tools that the company uses. Um, and I really started shadowing folks and I got, um, I was having one-on-ones with my director, uh, with the manager, um, kind of keep me on track, see how things are going, where, uh, because again, I was the first one in the information security group. Um, they wanted to make, kind of follow my path and see how things were, were going. Uh, because I was kind of in a, um, really, I was in a new place for them. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, my experience has been, was phenomenal. You know, they took the time to train me. They, they showed me the, the tricks of the trade, if you will, on, on performing uh, risk assessments. Because that's where I'm at. I'm in third-party risk, uh, risk management. And... Okay. And what I do there specifically, kind of what I'm expected to do, um, and then I think maybe about a month in, after you know onboarding, doing all the training, um, I started to do uh, my own risk assessments. Granted, it was a small volume, um, but I had training wheels on. Wow, um, nice. So I actually started really doing work, and it was it was um, quite the experience. And, I'm, and it was very insightful because um, I had no idea. I had no idea the level of work that goes into um, third-party risk. Um, and I just continued that on. And, and now I'm still doing the same thing. It's just more robust now. Nice. And did they have like the documentation for you to follow? Um, or did you have to like create that as you went along as you're creating this for other skill bridge? Uh, so it's, it's very unique to the team. Um, they did have, uh, the team did have an onboarding process, but again, because it was uh, skill bridge, um, it wasn't so different, but there were some uh, details that just needed to be tweaked. Um, but overall, um, it was just a good program. You know, it's definitely helped me get to where I needed to be. Well, well let's talk about that. So um, what were the gaps between where you were at the start of the skills bridge program to where you needed to be and how did you close that? Uh, I, you, uh, you know, I'm still closing that gap. <laughs> um, you know, because as I said, you know, I only had a, a degree in cybersecurity. Um, I have, I had no certs, I still have no certs. I'm actually working my way um, to uh, earning my security plus cert at the moment. So I'm studying. Um, what I'm finding is that 
you know, the beauty of what I'm doing right now in preparation for Security Plus is that I'm actually seeing a lot of the things that the book talks about, because that's the best way I learn is that, you know, I read a little bit, I see it awesome and it sticks. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were some other gaps too that were closed and that was understanding third-party risk in general. Um, And the company, you know, they went in and actually my director said, Hey, you should take this, uh, um, this kind of intro cert certification. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And, you know, they paid for it. I took it, got it done in a couple of weeks. Um, very easy. Uh, but it gave me that foundation for what was expected of me, um, on the team. Um, and, and obviously there are more certifications, um, and I don't think they ever stopped really. Um, <laughs> but they're there and, you know, I'm taking it one step at a time because I'm learning that I need to, um, just take it slow, take it day by day. Um, and don't try to force feed everything. Um, as in a short amount of time. So what was that cert? Cause there's, I don't see many people talk about their path, their path to GRC. Everyone wants to be a SOC analyst or a, a pen tester. Um, but you wanted, and you knew you wanted to go into GRC. So, uh, what was that entry level cert that you took that kind of helped you get that foundation? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I have to go back and find the cert, but if I remember correctly, it was, um, you know, the name escapes me right now, but it was, it was along the lines of, no, the site is called shared assessments. Okay. Um, they do, they have an intro level certification, but I didn't know about it till I got onto the team. Um, and then they have some more advanced, um, certifications, um, I think it's CTPRP and CTPRA. And um, unfortunately, at the moment, I cannot remember what the acronym stands for, but I think Mm -hmm. it's Certified Third-Party Risk Assessor. Um, And I can't remember what the RP is at the moment, but um, I'll definitely be looking at doing that once I've got my Security Plus um, all squared away behind me. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll share this. I pulled up the website um, and I'll share this in the link for our audience. Um, so that's, that's great because I think oftentimes you only hear about like the core certifications, like the ones from IC squared or uh, ISACA, but now you have like more tailored certifications in different areas. Um, but it, excuse me, that's pretty cool. So uh, sharing the website on the, on the screen, it is sharedassessments.org for those of you listening and would like to follow along yourself, uh, go ahead and check it out there. Um, I guess free, free advertising. Um, so what are some of the, <laughs> what, what are um, some of the other things that you do um, to catch up other than like studying for the general certifications uh, to kind of close some of those other gaps that you, you might identify. Oh my gosh. Um, so at, at least for this, for this team that I'm working, that I'm working with, um, 
the amount of things that I'm learning is is quite it's quite vast, really. You know, I thought it was just you know vendor risk management. I'm, I'm going to go here and you know talk to vendors and everything, but it's so much more. You know, I'm I'm we're looking at um, OSINT skills. You know, having to look back how looking back at you know how does this vendor uh, have this sort of relationship with other vendors and what does that look like? So we have to apply a little bit of OSINT. Um, and then you also have, um, I think it was something along the lines of just looking at what the different, uh, risks are using the different tools and, and what news is staying current with what's going on out there. You know, um, I think, you know, and I mentioned James earlier, but James Azar has a really good, um, uh, daily feed on newsfeed that he does for 15 minutes. I usually get a lot of my information from him. Um, Jerry Osher, I get a lot of information from him on his morning stuff. So it's just whenever I have time, uh, but usually I'll catch up on the, uh, after the fact on the replays, uh, because okay. I do stay very busy. <laughs> no, but you make a, a very valid point, especially in the role that you're in, the role that you're in doing third-party risk assessments. You focus less on what's happening in your organization, but more so on the hundreds or thousands of vendors that service your organization. And if one of them gets popped and it's in the news, um, that can help you with preparing the internal teams that, hey, this is, this is what I know about the risk from this organization, um, and this is how we could potentially help remediate that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I don't know, I find a lot of, um, there, it's just a sense of fulfillment, really. Um, a sense of, um, mission for me personally, because, you know, coming from that military background, you know, there's always been that mission that, that needed to be taken care of. There was always something there. And now that I'm here in, in cybersecurity, it's that sense of mission is still there. You know, and we want to protect, at least for me, it's, I want to protect our organization. You know, I want to be able to add value by, you know, making sure that I'm doing my due diligence. Am I asking the right questions? Which, by the way, um, I didn't realize how much communication skill is needed um, to engage with um, our vendor partners and the professionalism that's required to be able to um, to talk with them and, and the empathy needed because maybe they feel like they don't have enough stuff to protect their environment. Um, so that goes a long way with the partners because, you know, you can come down and beat them over the head. Oh, you need a, a, a sock, you need a sock audit or you need to do your pen tests or we're going to, you know, uh, terminate the partnership. But it's not like that. You know, um, it's definitely uh, a skill that I'm fine tuning now on top of all the technical skills that I'm picking up along the way. Well, that, that, that's great because, again, I think a lot of people focus on the hard skills. What, what are the hard skills that you need to learn? And they focus, oh, the risk assessment and um, how to run this pen test tool and all of that. but 
they forget about the communication skill. They forget about um, the co collaboration skills because working with a vendor, it's a two-way street. Um, you have to be able to work with them and they have to work with you. Um, and while you might have the upper hand, if you're, if you're seemed as taking advantage of that, that could sever the relationship as well. Oh, exactly. You know, and, you know, and, and also, you know, the way I see it too, is that I see myself as more of an ambassador, you know, because I, I represent the company in, in some form or fashion. So they won't see me as, you know, the assess the assessor or John Dela Cruz or whomever. They're going to see me as the person that works over at, at the company and be like, oh, you know, the company did this. Yeah. And, and, and that's how I've trans translated that same sort of mindset from the military to what I'm doing now is that, you know, we represent something maybe a bit bigger than ourselves, whether or not we realize it. And let's kind of pivot this back over to, you mentioned like John Dela Cruz, the brand John Dela Cruz. Um, you've shared your journey with those following behind you. You've given back, even though you were only maybe one step ahead. Um, what, what are some of the recommendations that you have based on your journey for, for those that might be following in your footsteps that might be listening to this at some time in the future? It's pretty cliche from a lot of the other folks. And I think some of your other guests have probably said the same thing. You know, it's um, keep at it. Um, continue to, at least in my case, it was um, keep having those informational, informational interviews, um, find mentors, talk to people. Um, and don't be afraid to get outside of your comfort zone because I'm learning that if, once you get outside your comfort zone, you start being open to new ideas, different perspectives, and then you yourself begin to grow. Um, and I think it's I think it's valuable that you not only give back, but you take that same sort of mindset of you know let's help this person grow and 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 see different. Uh, perspectives and, and and gain new insight, but I think the same should apply to you as a mentor, you know, because at least from my perspective, I don't think I would ask anybody to do something if I myself wouldn't do it, you know, and it's, and it's just really just be brave, just find that confidence and, and go after it, you know. You, you mentioned informational interview. Um, do you want to share your approach to that for others that might not know uh, what that is or how that could help them? Oh, gosh. Um, so I've done a couple of them uh, leading up to the skill bridge. And um, it was a matter of, so I spoke to a CISO, for example, and I connected with this person and I said, hi, uh, you know, I saw you at... Um, I sent a LinkedIn message with an invite, you know, one of those uh, ones there. And I was like, hey, I saw you at uh, a live stream. I loved what, uh, what you had to say. Um, would love to connect and maybe learn more from you. 
later on, a few weeks later, it was uh, we connected and I shot him a message and I asked him, hey, would you be open to having a conversation? Um, just I'm a new person. I'm trying to get into the industry and I would love to learn how you got to where you are and kind of the things that like lessons learned on your journey, because obviously everybody's going to be a bit different. Um, long story short, another few weeks later, uh, we set up some time and then we had a conversation for about 30 minutes, which went about 45 minutes at the end of it. And, and I learned a lot from this gentleman, uh, from the CISO. And I'm grateful that the CISO took his time to share his experience, um, and his approach on in cybersecurity. So for that, I'm super thankful. Wow, that's great. Um, as we as we get to the end of the show, um, if you had one piece of sage advice um, for for that again person watching this, following in, in your footsteps, uh, what would that be? It's so vast. I would say just get after it. No. Know who you are and what you want, um, but look for those mentors that fit you. And don't be afraid to say, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. But because um, I've done it a couple of times um, and it's and it's it, you have to look out after yourself is what it comes down to. But at the same time, help those coming up behind you. And I think that's my way of saying thank you. Wow. Absolutely great. I, I, I would definitely encourage that because, I mean, that's what this podcast is all about, right? Um, sharing the advice that someone who made it through can give back and can share to others. So, John, really appreciate your time for sharing your journey, uh, sharing your story, and hopefully this can help um, other Air Force or military veterans transitioning through and um, interested in GRC. Folks, thank you for joining us. Follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter as well, and uh, subscribe on YouTube. Hit that notification button, and then you'll see us next time we go live. Thank you all, and have a great rest of your Friday.